you are all full-time paid missionaries. While it's certainly a privilege to have your church community help to meet your needs financially, like it really is, like that's nothing wrong with that, it's good, it's right, live like a family. There really is no two-tiered system in the kingdom of God. Hmm. I wanna just tell our listeners, you are all full-time paid missionaries. Yep. If you were sheltered last night, you have clothes on your back and you've eaten in the last 24 hours, God's keeping his part of the deal. You're full-time paid staff, okay? Yeah. And so let's let God choose how and through which means he routes our paychecks, hmm. okay? Live as a family of missionary servants, sent as disciples who make disciples and trust God for your care. Yeah. You're already full-time paid, however you're, so there's no two-tier, okay? That's great. Believe that. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, hope you're doing well today. Things are going pretty good here for Team K, and I gotta say, the fall colors are just blowing my mind. It's amazing. I walked out of a meeting yesterday and said, Dean, look, look where we get to live. It's it's just so beautiful. I hope they stick around for a while. Hey, a, a couple of episodes back, I mentioned some training that I was pretty excited about that's now available. And I want to follow up on that today before we get started, because I really want to make sure that you're taking advantage of this to help your folks get on mission, help explain to people who maybe aren't quite on mission yet the basics of discipleship as a lifestyle and why they would want to live this way, why we get to live this way. Let me ask you, did you ever participate with me on Facebook Live for one of my everyday disciple challenges? We did those several times. We had many thousands of people go through that with us. And all the time we got so much email and so many comments on Facebook of how life-changing it was. But one common question was, hey, can I just keep these videos? Are they going to be posted up here forever? And they weren't because we wanted to make sure people actually watched them and engaged with us. But we finally relented and updated all the material and recorded it all. And it's now available as the Everyday Disciple Workshop. And I'm excited for you. It's a little course and it's got all the same stuff that was in the challenge. But now it's really carefully laid out and we've got worksheets and quizzes and different resources for you. It is a really simple and reproducible framework for discipleship. And it's especially for busy people, which sounds like everybody I know, <laughs> maybe everybody in your world too. Let me tell you a little bit about what's in this training, and you can get this immediately and get lifetime access and go at your own pace right now. So this has got step-by-step -step lessons. So all the trainings we did throughout that week of the challenge, all broken down, and every video is just packed with content. And I walk with you step-by-step -step on how to start making discipleship part of your normal rhythms of everyday life. And I give you our discipleship framework. So it's been proven. We use it. We've trained it all over the world. And like I mentioned, there's quizzes, there's worksheets, there's a bunch of resources to download and all that. And you get lifetime access to this now. And depending on when you hit this link or hear this, right now you can get the course, the whole workshop, instead of $97, guess what? It's like over 80% off. It's 17 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Right? So uh, that's kind of just a little special for the holiday season upon us coming up here that I wanted to run because I just want lots of people getting the training and starting to share it with others. And real quickly, like I get into how you can start to lose the religious pressure and 
help people understand a real working definition and framework for discipleship that changes everything, changes the way we see discipleship and evangelism and how we make disciples. We get deep into, just like we did in the challenge, we get deep into our true God-formed identity and how that changes our motivations. This is so key. We missed this early on, but once God showed us that, we started diving deep into teaching people their gospel identity. Wow, it really sends people out on mission, and that's a key to making disciples. We'll also give you the six rhythms. We call them the discipleship rhythms. Go through those in detail with lots of examples of what that looks like in everyday life. These are rhythms that we already live in, you live in, everybody in your church lives in, all your neighbors live in. And once you see those and you realize you can live out of your identity into those rhythms, wow, changes everything. And then we're going to give you some ways to build deeper connections as a community to each other and to God and look at how do I balance our time and what we're doing as a community together. I also gave you a whole bunch of different bonus videos and all that in there as well. I know you're going to dig it. So I hope you'll check out the Everyday Disciple Workshop and get it at this crazy 80% off price right now. And it's easy. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. Mm-hmm. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. Oh, and by the way, I am doing something I've never done before. I'm giving you a 365-day guarantee on this. Yeah. So if any time in a year you go like, yeah, you know, I finally got around to using it. I don't like it. You just email me. I'll give you your money back because I don't want anybody feeling stuck. I just want a lot of people to get and use this. So pause real quick, whatever you're on your phone or you're listening to, however you're listening to this, and just go at least check it out, everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop, 17 bucks uh, a year guarantee. I think you're going to want in on this and you're going to want to share this with a lot of other people. All right. Okay, today you're going to hear a conversation that I had with my good friend and our longtime part of the podcast here, Heath Hollinsby. We had this conversation when he was still working full-time at a local church in our area, but he was contemplating some changes vocationally, but still committed to making disciples of Jesus, even if he changed jobs. And we got to talking about the future of church leadership and who should be having paid positions at the church and how maybe full-time vocational ministry is shifting right now, and it has been. I really believe that. Is bivocational ministry part of your future? Hmm, might be. Take a listen. How's it going today, man? It's good, man. This is a interesting topic because I am in full-time church ministry. And uh, based off a conversation I had last week, uh, a guy who's kind of pursuing this missional model is going, I'm kind of terrified that I'm working myself out of a job. So we're going to... Right. And that's, yeah, that's, that's an aspect we should touch on this. Yeah, we're going to be talking about church leadership and... Yeah, who who and who might not be looking forward to full-time paid positions in the future, right? So yeah. for as long as I've been alive, okay, okay. I was kind of born, you know, into the church, there's been sort of this two-tiered system of Christians. It kind of goes like this. There's those that are smart enough or called enough and lucky enough to be on staff at the church hmm. and actually get paid to do ministry, then they can go home at night and not have to. <laughs> I did it all day, you know. Sure. But you were paid to, you know. Uh, and, and then there was pretty much everyone else, or what is often referred to as the laity, hmm. you know, or the never-ending line of church volunteers. <laughs> but I'm seeing a shift starting to happen hmm. to what is is being called bivocational ministry, or bivo for short. And I I think that it has actually great historical merit and some pretty great advantages for the church going forward. And yeah, you know, we can unpack that term sure. and actually what does that mean and look like as we go along today, man. A lot of churches close in our country every single year. And 
On top of that, there's way too many pastors leaving professional ministry each year. Uh, Do you think this has anything to do with the shift that you're seeing in this vocational versus bivocational ministry and pastoring? I do. You're you're right. There are thousands of pastors leaving the ministry every year. It's sad, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's true. And there's a lot of statistics out there. And some people say, no, it's not. Well, yeah, it, yeah, it, is. it is. I mean, just look in a phone book. Um, but there are also thousands more graduating from seminary and seeking jobs in the churches or planting new ones. So like, what's the problem? Hmm. Like, it may seem like the professional church ecosystem is regulating itself just fine. You know, thousands are leaving, but we're cranking out thousands of new people. Yeah. Um, other than the fact that we're replacing seasoned professionals with rookie hopefuls, um, what is the issue behind the issue? Sure. Right? You know, is the system broken or at least is it severely strained right now? Yeah. Like these churches that want to just keep growing and growing and growing and adding staff, is that working? Is that sustainable? Hmm. You know, is it, is it, like I said, is it at least, is it strained? I think it is. And I think it's ready for an overhaul. Hmm. It's strong language, but I think, I think how everything is paid for and the professionalization of all things, um, strictly in and of itself, not necessarily being wrong, but I think the system itself and where it's gotten to and where it's trying to maintain does need an overhaul. In some ways, the church, at least in America, needs to go back to the future. I know that you have um, some merit in talking about this because you used to work in the kind of mainstream evangelical churches. You were part of that. You were full-time staff, and now uh, you're not currently... But I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how you've journeyed from being this lay servant guy to a paid pastor and then to a bivocational saint over the years, because you've you've been in different ponds. Yeah. Let me say this. I've been involved in ministry a whole lot longer than I've been paid to show up and perform any specific duties hmm. you know, by God's grace. So, you know, almost since we became Christians, uh, my wife Tina and I, we, we've been super involved in everything. Hmm. You know, anything you can imagine at the churches that we've been a part of, hospitality, children's ministry, teaching, uh, preaching, setting up chairs, cleaning, yeah, you know, sweeping outside, you know, you name it, we've pretty much done it. And we were never paid for any of those things. And, and, and yet we actually loved it all. Hmm. Well, not the middle school, not the middle school ministry years. That, that, <laughs> that was a drag, okay? But pretty much everything else. And then like in 2000, okay, so this is a long time ago, sure. I'm an old buck, while running one of over, you know, like many businesses Tina and I have run, at that mm. point, we'd probably been up to about a dozen. Now, I think we've had 15 different businesses that we have wow. owned and operated in our life. Um, at that point, and it was around in 2000, serial entrepreneurs, I sure. kind of got the call, quote unquote, to become a pastor. Hmm. You know, like usually that's when you're in college or high school or something, you know, like, yeah. I'm getting the call to the ministry, the pastor, you know. Um, Oh, that magical position, you know, of title and authority and piety. Yeah. You're going to be a pastor. <laughs> so, but see, at the time I was having like the rockinest year in business I'd ever had. You know, our company was growing and I had financial freedom to finally bless my family with some upgrades, you know, yeah. and long, you know, desired vacations and stuff like that. And I had quite a bit of time and flexibility to travel internationally and do some pretty amazing, you know, missions work in, hmm. in traditional sense, right? Yeah. And that's when God stepped in and kind of messed everything up. <laughs> so at the age of 40, and with everything going perfectly, at least according to my plans, God spoke really clearly and called me to be a pastor. And I was like, what? A what? Mm. <laughs> like, it's it's not that God spoke to me audibly that day, Heath, but it was it was close, man. Like, I was, I know right where I was sitting, and I was at an oil creek, you know, summit, leadership summit. And it was just like God said, nope, you know, 
you're going to be a pastor. And I'm like, Lord, but I'm not a pastor. Yeah. And I had no desire to wear a suit or slick back my hair and steer a pulpit every Sunday, <laughs> you know, for the rest of my life. Sure. Besides what church would hire me? <laughs> yeah. You know, but in faith, I sort of dutifully said, yes, father, I'll be a pastor <laughs> mm. um, if that's your will for my life. But you'll have to work out all of, you know, the commitments that I currently have that I've made to others. And by the way, I'm not a pastor, so you'll have to sort that, you know? <laughs> but I said, yes, right? Well, short, long story short, God did work it out. Within 90 days, I was able to actually move from my own company with some severance pay. So I was kind of covered, the family, you know? Yeah. And a few months later, I was actually hired by the church that I had been faithfully serving at for free hmm. for, nine, for the last nine years, all kinds of different roles. Yeah. And around that time, they had also hired my wife to lead all hospitality related matters. So now all of a sudden we find ourselves cool. both as the paid staff, hmm. you know, really big church. So we went from years and years of service as part of this family to becoming part of the paid staff. Hmm. And now we're being paid to do pretty much what we've been doing in the past for free. Yeah, that's weird. And to be honest, okay, we were excited and, sure. it, and we were honored, you know, like, cause we love this family. We love the staff. Um, but do you see anything wrong with this picture? Sure. You know, like we were doing it for years, nine, it just at the one location, we've been part of other churches in different cities yeah. and for free. And now we're getting paid to pretty much do it. And yeah. Okay. Mm. So anyway, we went on to have three really great years as part of that team at that church. And I really do believe that we heard God clearly, like that's what I was supposed to do. And my mm. wife was supposed to do. But then in 2004, God sent us out here to the Pacific Northwest, Tacoma, to plant churches. Mm. And that was like just as much a surprise. Like, I'm not a pastor, but now I'm, you made me one, you know? And, <laughs> and now, now I'm going to plant churches. churches yeah. Why, you know? But along with Jeff and Janie Vanderstelt, some of you guys know who Jeff is, we were part of the original uh, team of leaders that ended up starting what became Soma Communities. Mm. And guess what? Nobody paid us to do that. Yeah. God provided our every need. Um, but there were certainly no salaries attached to planting that church. Hmm. You know, maybe we were on to something. Yeah. And by God's grace, Soma went on to multiply and multiply and it, you know, now it's all over. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I can't tell you how many times I hear from, you know, from friends or just, you know, emails I get from people, uh, who are paid church staff and church planners. And they say, I really want to make disciples and continue to love on our people. But trying to make a living at this is so hard. Hmm. Like we're just not that many sure. and our people aren't that wealthy and I love them and I want to keep equipping them. But golly, if, if, you know, out of this many people, and it, sometimes that's a lot still because, yeah. you know, they got the building payment or, you know, whatever the programs to keep on. Sure. So I, I don't know what to do, you know, and then add to this, the pressure from their boards or the congregation that sent them to keep moving the numbers up and to the right. And hmm. it can seem really overwhelming. I know a lot of planters who are out there and, they're just like, man, there's no way this community can support me. And my quote support from the Denam is running out, Yeah, you know, but how am I going to do both? Right. Yep. So here's something to think about. According to studies done by the Schaefer Institute, 50% of pastors, okay, wow, half feel so depressed by all of this that they would bail out of ministry tomorrow if wow. they had any other way of making a living. Wow, dude. Half of the young or old like me pastors starting out will not last five years. That's something, I that's how high the churn is. Jeez. Okay. And only, check this out, and only one out of 10 pastors will actually retire in some form of paid church ministry. Wow. That, <laughs> right? Those numbers are crazy. They're crushing. So yeah. here's the thing. It wasn't all that long ago that almost all pastors and ministry or clergy 
clergy held normal jobs though. Yep. And they served their congregations out of love and a desire to see God glorified and his kingdom expanded. So some may have received stipends, you know, like mm-hmm. a little bit of help here or there, you know, like just because we love you sure. or perhaps help with their housing, but their livelihood, like the bulk of their, you know, how they fed their kids came largely like everyone else's in their congregation and community. Yeah. I remember talking with Leonard Sweet and he said, you know, 150 years ago, typically the church pastors were also the, like the art dealers of the city. I mean, they, they knew the arts, they, you know, they were making money. Or the shoe cobbler, or, yeah. or right, <laughs> right. And it's really just been since the growth of like the quote seeker movement and the rise of the mega churches that we've seen these layers and layers of staff hmm. being sort of built up as the norm. Yeah. Oh man. So are you saying uh, that you don't think ministers should be paid? No, please don't hear me saying that. Okay. I'm not saying that I don't think that ministers should be paid. I'm not. In, in fact, you know, let's look first Corinthians nine, Apostle Paul is making the case for the church to take care of their own. Hmm. Okay. Live like a family. That's yeah. really the, the core of what Paul was saying there. Meet the needs of those who serve you well. But we can see clearly in the first century that the church, including its leaders, were normal folks living out a very high calling while providing for their own needs and trusting God for their provision. Okay. Hmm. So, you know, let me just take us back to what I said, you know, in the intro. Uh, fact that many seasoned leaders are leaving the church, or they want to, and this large number of younger men and women are now looking to enter into paid positions. Hmm. But besides the fact that we need the mature saints to lead us and train the next generation of leaders, in actuality, there's actually fewer and fewer church jobs to be had these days. Yep. There are. And there's either through the consolidation of giant churches, yep. who, you know, they don't need as many staff because now three became one kind yeah. of thing, or the closing of tons of staff. So I mean, think about that. We need the mature saints in our communities if we're sure. going to grow to maturity, but they're all fleeing. Hmm. And we got a whole bunch of young people coming in and there ain't no jobs for them anyway. Yep. Absolutely. And in many cases, that's not the jobs they want. Hmm. And I have so many people, Heath, it kind of breaks my heart. They're like, man, I'm listening to the stuff you guys are talking about in the podcast. See, so I read some of your books and that's how I want to live. I want to live like a family of missionary mm-hmm. servants like, and, and I want to make disciples. But guess what? I just graduated with like, you know, a ministry degree and like, you know, inner city youth ministry. Yeah. And there's no any, many, you know, inner city youth churches that are big enough to afford any kind of staff. Sure. And so what do I do? Like, how do I, yeah. and that's where this whole idea of bivocational meaning, like having a job, at least a part-time job, or if not a full-time job that allows you to, to live just like your body, just like the congregation, just like those you're serving and living amongst live. Yeah. Right. That's, that's where that whole idea comes. Well, and you're seeing it too with, you know, a lot of the denominations, you know, such requirements to be pastors that a lot of these guys fresh out of school, I mean, are showing up with a burden of $120,000 of school debt just to, you know, to right. pastor 80 people. And it's it's kind of overwhelming. Right. And so they're actually setting themselves up to be the next generation of leaders who bail out in five years. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or less. And those who end up hating their job and they only perform for the paycheck. Right. Mm. You know, these guys, right. They're only yeah. doing it. Be- they're only at that church because- you know, I get, that's how I get paid. Well, it sounds like even in your statistic, if 50% of them are willing to leave tomorrow, if they found a better that job. That means I'm only showing up because this is my yeah, job. Yeah, because it's my and see, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be led and discipled by people that hate their jobs Yeah. and, or they only do it because they don't have a, another stinking option. Sure. I mean, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Right? So yeah. Uh, I, I remember talking offline and you had mentioned there's definitely benefits of being bivocational. I think you said you had seven things that, that you could point to as being the benefits of 
uh, of being a bivocational sort of person. Do you mind walking us through those? Yeah. Um, there's probably more, Heath. There's probably more than seven. Sure. But these kind of came to mind to me. Um, seven benefits of being either bivocational, meaning having two vocations. Like I, I, I get some support from our community, but I don't get all of it from our community. Or, you know what? I work just like everybody else. Sure. And I'm going to multiply leaders as needed so that we keep growing this thing without all of a sudden one or two people getting paid to do all the work of the saints. Yep. Right. And there's, that's a whole nother episode. Okay. <laughs> so here's, here's some things. The first is uh, it allows for a small as big, slow as fast approach to growth and leadership development. Mm-hmm. Meaning if, you know, if you and I are starting a church Heath and we're both working normal jobs, but we're loving on people, making disciples, growing missional communities. Yeah. That's a small as big, slow as fast sort of trajectory. Mm-hmm. Notice there's no pressure on us to like talk a bunch of people into tithing or steal a bunch of sheep from another place, you know? Sure. And um, it, it sort of relieves the pressure of having to launch big and get that tithe rolling in. Yep. So it's scalable, mm-hmm. right? It's the smallest, big, slowest, fast approach. Sure. And I think that is important. Um, next, it's also an easily reproducible model that requires so much less capital and associated risk. Hmm. I mean, golly, I don't have the statistics right here, man, but- um, some of the larger denoms and or church planning orgs talk about the tens and hundreds of millions of dollars they've poured into church planning yeah. and the very small results they've gotten. Because, well, you need, a, you need to launch big and you need a huge campaign and all the postcards going out and you need sound system and a place rented and to get a good deal, you got to rent for three to five years and yep. you need children's ministry director and you need a music director, you know, and it's yeah. like, whoa, okay, man, I hope that works. <laughs> and so unfortunately, in most cases, it doesn't. Sure. So it. This though, if you're like working, you're bivocational and you're taking your skills and you're developing people, but you're also, you know, you're covered. It's really scalable, man. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Okay. Uh, second, uh, third, it requires an active priesthood of all believers in order for ministry and discipleship to actually happen. Hmm. Instead of the few who get paid to do the work, the you know how it is. You can ask everybody like, yeah. whose job is this? Well, that's the pastor. That's what you pay him for, you know? That's yeah. what they get paid for. See, but in this model of like people work, Yep. And they're paid, you know, like through jobs. Um, it actually requires an active priesthood hmm. for ministry and discipleship to happen, which is good. That's a healthy thing. Yeah. Uh, next, it models integrity between the leadership and, quote, laity. In other words, leaders live a lifestyle and have responsibilities and time constraints similar to those that they're called to lead and serve within the church. Hmm. Right? Have you ever, you ever had that where, like, you're living a certain way and people are like, well, yeah, but if I got paid... To do ministry all day, I'd get a lot more of it done too. <laughs> I hear that all the time, yeah. right? And you're yeah. like, yeah, but we're all called to make disciples. So even if I'm at the church building all day, this is, by the way, this will be a challenge to a lot of church staff listening in. Mm-hmm. Just because you're getting paid all day to do a certain level of whatever you know skill that you have for your community, awesome. Doesn't mean then that you go home and check out. You're still called to be a disciple who makes disciples, absolutely, and live in community, right? And so I think that this bivocational lifestyle models integrity between leadership and everybody else. Yeah. Cause like, you can't say like, well, man, you didn't have to work all day. It's like, yeah, I do. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, next it sets up younger leaders with less of an entitlement sort of leading to disappointment paradigm. Hmm. Think about it. people are coming to faith. They're growing in their faith and they're, and they're not seeing, well, I guess the only thing I can do as a Christian is go to seminary and get a degree and start and try to pay a job at my local church. Uh, I couldn't get one. So I had to move away from a community that I love and has poured into me and I want to pour into. Yep. And so like, why don't, why wouldn't you hire me? You know? So it's like a sense of entitlement, but it's not going to happen. So now there's disappointment. Hmm. 
or they're are on that train to be you know the people who bail out over five years. So sure. I think this if if there was a normalcy to like no everybody works and we care for one another like a family mm-hmm. and we're all getting covered and cared for together. There's yeah. not this sense of entitlement setting up for disappointment. You know. Yep, absolutely. Okay, and then I think also and this is like a huge one, is it frees up much of the congregation's giving and resources to meet the needs of their community. Hmm. I mean, if you have privy to your own church's budget, if you're on staff or if you've not been, but you, you know your church hands out a budget every year, just look at how much is going to pay for Sunday morning for yep. the staff that runs, all, you know what I mean? Like, and what if, what if half the staff, what if all the staff worked half time and they were out in the community amongst lost folks and doing life, yeah. not life, and half that salary was all freed up yeah, to bless because, people, to, to develop more leaders who could make disciples. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, wow, right? There's two other things I was thinking of just as you were talking. Was One is um, it also gets more people engaged, right? If you're actually equipping people. I had a conversation with a pastor uh, the other day who was saying that it's now him as a senior pastor, but his worship leader, all that were let go. And now the elders are stepping up and the lay people are going like, Hey, I can lead worship, and now you've got fifteen different worship. You know, awesome. you're actually getting equipping saints for ministry. Imagine that. Yeah. And the other thing it does is like it keeps you normal. Uh, <laughs> you know, like when you're actually out in the community part time or working at a coffee shop or you know serving at a bar at night or whatever it is. You asked the question at the beginning of the show is like, where did that lay person conversation come from? If we're a full time ministry, I know a lot of people all they know is the church. And so you start going like, I don't even talk like my community talks. I don't even know what's important in my community because I'm not in it at all because I'm no. paid to be no, outside I, of it. No, man. I think I've shared this before. When I was at that that original first you know, big old church that I got called to be a pastor at, that yeah. was great. We were so busy on campus that I, I did not have one single not yet believing friend. Yep. And my days were there at the campus. And I drove home, hit the garage door button, went in, and I was done. Yeah. I mean, I was done. I was fried. Sure. And it got to a point where you're like, okay, five, six days of that, multiple services on the weekends. Ooh. Yeah. Like, when am I ever going to have any energy to have a not yet believing friend and make a new disciple? Yeah. Right? It's like, well, that's everybody else's job. The staff has to take care of the sheep. It's like, oh, wait a minute. So the staff that doesn't know how to make disciples and has no time to do it is somehow going to magically accidentally equip the saints to go out and make the new disciples mm. come on yeah, that's never good. never gonna happen in you know yeah never well in our language over time our language changes we use words that don't make any i had a conversation with a guy over last night and we were using church phrases and it's like man this guy doesn't even know like some of the phrases i'm using because you sit in the church for so long that you don't you start talking a different way so are you staff or lady like, what <laughs> are you that gesundheit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a funny buzzfeed video about like um it's a Christian and he has three non-believing friends and he he just says church words and Ooh. lets his unbelievers guess. And the first one is like love offering. <laughs> like yeah. guess what the, they have to guess what it means? Yeah. I got to find it. And it went I mean it was like if it's, it's not, not like crazy a, foul or vulgar we got to put the link on our show notes, okay? <laughs> it's not it's very like it's funny cuz it's innocent but yeah. it was like oh yeah, that's what you give a guest speaker, you know, and that's not what they got. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were they were all over the map. She said, yeah. <laughs> So what what encouragement would you have for people who uh, are possibly going to have to confront being bivocational in the future? Like I mentioned, I had that conversation with a pastor friend the other day, and yeah. he said, when I decided to turn my church towards this kind of missional-minded equipping, I didn't know that this was actually working me out of a job potentially. Yeah. So what kind of encouragement would you have for those maybe in seminary, those who feel called to full-time ministry, but 
Yeah, well, two things. One is um, get a degree or learn a skill that's employable outside of a traditional, you know, seeker, attractional model church. Hmm. You know, now you said, well, I'm, it's already too late for me. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's good advice for those who are trying to decide what they're going to do in college. They love God. They want to make disciples. Great. You know what? You can get a dual degree. You can get a degree in ministry if you want, but get an employable skill, right? Okay. Or degree, you know, if you choose to do that. Now, if you're at church and you're like, I'm already on staff and that's my degree, what am I going to do? Hey, uh, I know plenty of people that go to school while going to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my master's in global leadership until I was already full-time ministry and planting and not being paid full-time, but sure. you know what I mean? And having to be bivo and you fit it in. You know, I have relatives that were working the one or two jobs while going to school full-time because they really wanted a different future. Yeah. You get to. That's what I'm but, doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. But you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure out a way. Like I said earlier, there's, there's a shrinking job pool out there yep. and a whole lot of people are going like, man, I really do want a different lifestyle. So hmm. plan for it or go ahead and just double down and, you know, and get that thing. What would you say the big three are for this week when we're talking about the bivocational conversation? And you can get this as a printable PDF if you want these. I've pre-written them down for you. You can get this as a printable PDF by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G three. Number one, while it's certainly a privilege, so I guess this is something to remember, like change your heart. While it's certainly a privilege to have your church community help to meet your needs financially, like it really is, like that's nothing wrong with that's good. It's right. Live like a family. There really is no two-tiered system in the kingdom of God. Hmm. I want to. I want to just tell our listeners: you are all full-time paid missionaries. Yep. If you lived, you know, if you were sheltered last night, you have clothes on your back, and you've eaten in the last twenty-four hours. God's keeping His part of the deal. Hmm. You're full-time paid staff. Okay. Yeah. And so let's let God choose how and through which means He routes our paychecks. Hmm. Okay. Live as a family of missionary servants sent as disciples who make disciples and trust God for your care. Yeah. You're already full-time paid, however you're, so there's no two-tier. Okay. That's great. Believe that. Okay. Second, uh, having a job within your community is one of the absolute best ways that you can stay connected to a steady stream of relationships outside the church. Hmm. So when I say in your community, I mean outside the church building, you know, right? It's just so great. Uh, And like I said earlier, it, it models integrity between leadership and quote, laity, because you've got kind of similar lifestyle and responsibilities and time constraints as everybody else. That's key. I think we want to discount that too quick for people who are working at churches. And it's like, I'm telling you, people need to see and follow leaders that live and look like them. You need to live a life that people can imitate, right? That's what Jesus did. So even if you have to start by getting a part-time job, even if it feels beneath you, you know, right Mm -hmm. now, like, well, I'm, I'm like, you know, the teaching pastor at this church. So what? Work at the Home Depot a couple hours a week on a Saturday. You'll get to know loads of people. You'll, yep. you know, like, I don't know, whatever it is, right? And third, I'd encourage people, don't jump off a cliff <laughs> or fail to have a plan. And what I mean by that is if you're in vocational paid ministry now and you feel God's calling you to make a change, start to get educated or mm-hmm. move toward having another source or two of income streams that can begin to replace your current salary before you just kind of quit. Yeah. You know, and crash your family on the rocks. Okay. You don't, you don't need to. I know sometimes you, people get frustrated. They want to make the jump. Well, God will take care of you. Like, I think, hey, it's a good thing you're faithfully serving your church. If God's calling you to make that change, work on some multiple streams. And, and if you know you want to be a Bible church planter or saint, like I said, learn a skill that's marketable outside the church. Yeah. Because a degree in youth ministry is not very marketable out outside. there, you know, yeah. <laughs> everywhere else. Okay. <laughs> 
by the way, too, man, right today, just, you know, a couple hours ago, I was talking to my friend and author, Hugh Halter, because hmm. yeah. he's kind of a bio expert in this stuff, too. Like, he really lives it, and he's a living example of all this. And he's actually got a really short little book called Bivo, A Modern Day Guide for Bivocational Saints. Hmm. And it's a great tool for, like, understanding how this all fits together. What does life really look like? Yeah, it's a great book. And how do you plan and kind of shift towards bivocational ministry? So it's called Bivo. Modern Day Guide for Bivocational Saints. You can find it either at missiopublishing.com, yep. that's the publisher, or just go to Amazon. I hope this talk today was helpful and it encourages you right where you're at and gives you hope for the future of your ministry. And before I forget, I want to invite you to get the Everyday Disciple Workshop. You can get immediate access to that right now. We've trained thousands of people in this powerful framework during our four-day challenges, and now you can get it and you can have lifetime access to it. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop to get this simple and reproducible discipleship framework. You're going to love it. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. All right. Well, I got to get going. I hope you'll join us again next week because we're going to keep diving into discipleship and mission and gospel fluency and hopefully helping make this all a whole lot easier for you in your everyday life. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.